Well, it's really good to worship with you tonight. It seems like such a fitting way to embrace what's about to come. I apologize for the different readings that are printed in your bulletin. I just changed them um, uh, last minute, and um, it just seemed silly not to. The scriptures just in the preaching series and all that stuff didn't line up with where we were. So I don't know about you, but in my mind, I see a swirling red icon <laughs> that looks like Looks like the big fiery eye from the Lord of the Rings just staring at us. You know, that hurricane sign that just, we've been looking at those spaghetti models and just hearing over and over and over again all this stuff. And, you know, it, the anticipation is hard because it's, it seems like it's moving so slowly. And, and just even now, like, I don't want to look to the left because downstate is this thing that's coming this way. And it naturally causes all kinds of thoughts, questions, anxieties. A big question, though, after we look at some of this, even some of what has already happened, is like the question, where is God in this? Right? That's a natural question to ask in a moment like this. I want to put a picture up here on the screen. Um, this, is, this is a painting by Rembrandt, and it's his only seascape. I actually took a photograph of that in my office. I have a big cut print of it on the wall in my office. And it's, um, it's a picture of Christ sitting in the back. I know it's a dark picture. It's hard to see. But it's the story of Jesus on the lake, the Sea of Galilee, in the storm. And he's asleep on the back of the boat in the cushion. And they're obviously in great peril. And they wake him up. And he calms the storm. Like instantly, the sea goes flat, and they start wondering, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him, right? And so we have a story like that, an account of Jesus demonstrating that he is certainly the Lord over all of creation. And yet, he doesn't always solve storms with a miraculous calming of the sea. And things happen, and we wonder, where is God in the midst of that? And we get frustrated at times, or we question, or you know, all sorts of things. Um, we don't get to know why specifically. Why one storm and not another? Why one island is spared and not another? Why the storm hits here but not there? And we just don't know. But what we do get from the scriptures, from God's word, is general understanding about things. And so one of the scriptures that I had read tonight was Romans chapter 8. In Romans chapter 8, in verse 20, it says that the, the creation was subjected to futility. Our world is fundamentally broken. It was not meant to spin off storms like this. That's just not how it was designed. It is fundamentally broken. And it's been subjected to a curse, which was the result and the response. You don't have to put that up. I'm, I'm not on that sermon series. You can just go to the black screen. Um, although that would, it could, we could make it work. Um, <laughs> But Romans 8 talks about how the creation is even groaning. It, the creation itself, almost as a living thing, is groaning, waiting for God to come and redeem everything. Even the creation is waiting for Christ to return and to reveal his glory, his redemption. And so we have to understand that the world is not working the way that it's supposed to. Another thing is that Jesus said to expect it. That little section I read from toward the end of his earthly ministry was him describing things in the physical creation that are going to happen. He said that because that is the norm of what we should expect, not the calming of the sea miraculously. He said, don't be surprised when these things happen. I mean, you can look around. I mean, we're, we're on the tail end of what happened in Houston and southeast uh, Texas. There are wildfires up in the northwest. I mean, this is coming now. 
I mean, add in the eclipse, right? And it's like, I'm looking for Jesus. But we should be looking for Jesus because he could come today. He said, you don't know the hour, be ready. I'll come, at, you won't know when I'm going to come. Be ready for it. So he said, not only are we taught that the scripture, in the scriptures that the world is broken, the creation is broken, but he said to expect it. This stuff is going to happen. And so let's not be surprised about it. But let's not also get anxious and, and worry about it either because he gives a really impressive promise to us when he gives the Great Commission. You know, he says, go and make disciples of all nations. And then he says at the end of that, and that's Matthew, um, it's, it's uh, verse 20 of Matthew 28. He says, and behold, I'm with you to the end of the age. That's why I went to that Rembrandt picture, because it's Christ in the midst of the storm with them. He got wet too when the waves were coming over the boat and the stern was full of water and he was getting splashed around too before he calmed the sea. He's in the midst of the storms with us. He said, I'll be with you to the end of the age. That's a huge promise. So to answer the question, where is God? He's with us. I can't answer the question why he doesn't stop one storm, but he does another, or he moves it, you know. You can pray for the storm to move a different direction, but unless it goes out in the Atlantic, somebody else is going to feel that storm. So it's like, okay, I don't know. Lord, just have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. We're singing the right words tonight. We're praying the right things. We're saying, God, have mercy. But all through the scriptures, there's a promise that he's with us. I mean, the most famous psalm, Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. You are with me. He's promised to be with us. He's that kind of a shepherd. So he will go through the storm with us, not necessarily stop every storm from happening. That's just all through the scriptures. As I was praying today and thinking about this, I went to Isaiah. Isaiah 43 says, but now thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you, I have called you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and, though, and through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. Right? When, not if. And when that happens, I will be with you. God is going to be with us in whatever happens in the next couple of days. God is right there now with those who've already suffered greatly. He's with them in the midst of the storm. Now, put that Rembrandt painting back up there again, Daryl, if you would. Um, one of, there's, there's a couple of things I really like about this, this painting. Well, one, it's kind of cool because it's one of those lost works of art. It was stolen, by the way, in 1991 from the Stewart Museum up in Boston, and it has not been found ever since. It was like the greatest art heist ever. Thirteen works, famous works are gone, and we, they haven't, it hasn't appeared yet. So um, the one in my office is a print, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> I bought it on the internet, so it's... But if you, I, I had to zoom in so you could kind of see some of the detail. It's a dark painting, as I said, but there are, there's Jesus, and then there are the 12 disciples, but then there's a 14th person in the painting. And you have to look really close, but holding on to one of those shrouds nearest us is Rembrandt himself looking at you. He's got kind of a little cap on, he's in a blue thing. It's, I know it's really hard to see. Next time you're in the office, go into my office and look at it closely and kind of study it. But Rembrandt painted himself into the painting because it's not just a painting of something that happened back then, although it is. That really did happen on the Sea of Galilee. Jesus really did calm the storm. He was really in a fishing boat with the guys, and that happened. But it also, for Rembrandt and for us, speaks to today, that we are in the boat, or rather Christ is in our storm with us. And so he put himself in there. Another detail I really like about this painting, which you can't see because I zoomed in so far, is 
anachronistically, on the top of the mast is a Christian cross blowing on a flag. Obviously, this happened before the cross, right? Christ is here. It's at the end of his ministry that he goes to the cross. But the cross is the banner that is flying over this. That is the storm of all storms. And he went through that storm and came out on the other side victorious, resurrected, alive. So nothing could keep him down, not even death. That's the banner we fly. I mean, somebody in here counted how many crosses there are in church. I guess it was a particularly boring sermon that Sunday. But... (laughs) It's a lot. I mean, they're, they're everywhere. There's, there's a, they're everywhere. Because that's the banner that we fly over our storm, over our lives, over whatever. Christ gets the victory in the end because he's already won. So we go into these storms with that marking for us what is true, helping us. Now, a couple of things as we go into these next two days. I want to encourage you to look for mercy. Look for his mercy He doesn't just let these things go. Because he's merciful and he's with us, there is mercy in the midst of the storm. Sometimes it's really obvious, like when the tree falls perfectly between the two houses, right? And you go, wow, how merciful. But then your neighbor goes, well, I guess he didn't have mercy on me because it landed right on top. And you could think that, you could think that, but then I also think, well, were you under that tree? Maybe that was mercy for you. We know this. Our God is merciful, and his mercies are new every day. So we have to look for those in the storm and see them. And we'll see different ways that he is at work, even in the midst of whatever might come here or might not, or in the midst of the recovery work down there, which is my second application point. Don't just look for the mercy. Go and extend acts of mercy. Let's be his hands and feet. Already, already, we're planning. We know there's, gonna need, there's, there's already a need for help. So once we get through whatever immediately we have to deal with here, we're going to go. And we're going to be the hands and feet of Jesus, and we're going to serve because that's what the church does. That's who the church is. I love seeing on the news in Houston, you don't see this often, a group of people circled up, standing in front of someone's house, praying in the name of Jesus. It was on the, the footage. It was on the news reel. And I heard them say, in the name of Jesus, and they prayed for the situation. It was the church being the church, and people notice, because it looks so different. Right in the midst of looters going in and stealing stuff, there were Christians going in and serving people. So let's go and, let's go and be the hands, of feet, hands and feet of Jesus and extend mercy to those in need. Already we know people. We have contacts with people down in South Florida that are going to need help. So we're going we're to put teams together, and we're going to work on that. Now let me tell you something else that... Um, left a mark, no, this is probably seven or eight years ago now. I was asked to do the opening invocation for a prayer breakfast on a a service uh, thing at the Salvation Army. And I was surprised when they put me at this very high head table, very honored and esteemed, sitting right next to our very own Mike Burrish of the Action 4 News, who's your best friend right now. He was right there. So we had breakfast together and, and chatted quite a bit. And I said, why, what, what are you doing here? And he was giving the keynote speech. And I said, why, why is the news guy coming to, the meteorologist coming to Salvation Army? And he said, I've been chasing storms my entire career. And Salvation Army always beats me there. They're already there serving people before I get there. I'm impressed with this organization. That's why I'm here. And I thought, Okay, go Salvation Army. They're, they're, they're out there in the name of Christ doing good stuff, and people are noticing. I don't make any claims on where Mike is. I really liked him personally. He seemed like a really good guy. Um, but Salvation Army said, Christians, we go and serve. And they were doing it, and they're really good at that. 
So let's be the hands and feet of Jesus because the world sits up and notices. And people need help. So we're just, that's what we're going to do as a church. We're going to go and we're putting this thing together. We don't know what's coming. But again, we know the world's broken. We know that Christ is with us. And we know that he's a merciful God. So we're going to just look for his mercy and we're going to extend it to others as we can. Hopefully you got the email that went out earlier. I think a number of you didn't. Something's wrong with our technology. But um, if you didn't see it, ask someone to forward it to you. In there is my email and my cell phone number. If something comes up and you have a need, reach out to any church member you know or to let me know. And I'll try to connect you up as best as I can. And, um, and then if you're able to help others once you get your household situated, let me know as well because there will be needs for sure. So we're just going to be the church, and we're going to watch the Lord be the Lord, and we're going to pray, and we're going to worship in the midst of it with his peace. Amen? Amen. Amen.